All right, what's up? What's up? Welcome to the Stella Fellow Podcast. I hope the music isn't taking over too loud, and I'm pretty sure it is the right EP from my boy Andrew Holder Produce. What's up, man? Hope you're doing well. Dax uh, actually stole one of his EPs as well. I, I guess not stole, but we took it. Well, yeah, we stole. No, we downloaded it for Dax's podcast as well. So, but it. You don't even care. I, I'm not sure which song is playing right now, so hope it's the right one. Regardless, they're both did it again. Shoot, I used the word. I'm gonna change the podcast to regardless, just for fun, for to see what people think. Yeah. Like, vote on it if you think that's a great idea. Let me know <laughs> because I use that word more than any other when I'm doing this podcast. So, welcome. Glad you're here. Don't know what episode it is. Don't even care the number because I don't. I stopped numbering these things, and I just shut OBS off. All right, we're good. I'm just trying to move this baby over. All right, so the way that we do some of these, we being me, I go back and I, I just read through blogs I've written before and get some audio and video content down on it. So I was going to read this one. This one is uh, Lazy Churches Suck from September 30th is when I published this one. started reading it, and maybe a paragraph in, I was laughing because I, th- I thought it was funny. And so I just got to read it and, and let it be like, I haven't, I haven't gone back over this one in two months. It's like November right now. It's November the 18th. Tomorrow is, I'm going to be 39 tomorrow. Tomorrow's my birthday. Yay. Last year, the thirties. <laughs> a little bit nervous about that. I, I'm one of those guys that I'm like the age feels like it matters to me and then I try to say it doesn't that Dax asked me this morning I was fixing his hair he's like dad how do you feel about being 39 tomorrow actually he's, he missed he's like how do you feel about being 40 I was like well I'm not gonna be 40 bud I'm gonna be 39 he's like oh okay and I was like I, I'm good it doesn't matter it's just a number <laughs> inside I was like it's this is uh. anyway so here we go I'm going to begin reading and see where we go with this thing one of my favorite quotes that is original to me is if you have to say it out loud it's not true I'm leading with this statement because I'm going to acknowledge my next couple statements. Number one, this is not a malicious comment, which is why I'm saying that. Like, you have to say it out loud. It's not true. And now I'm doing it. So I'm recognizing that whole thing. Number two, churches are lazy. I'm not saying all churches, but I'm giving a blanket statement for the American church. For the most part, churches are lazy. If you're upset right now, that's fine. Just hang on. You can stop and just turn it off if you want, or you can hang on and see what I'm getting at. Totally up to you. Number three, lazy churches suck, period. Yes, that's an L slap. If you don't know the term, don't look it up because it's not a real term. And now you're asking, wait, did you just tell us we all suck and then try to smooth it over with a joke? Yes, that's exactly what I did. Here's what I'm getting at. I don't think that pastors and churches are actually lazy. I think those guys work really hard, no doubt. Like they put in, some guys are putting in 40 hours, some are putting in 50, 55, 60. Some guys put in upwards of like 80 hours a week. Being pastors, some work multiple jobs. They're lead pastors of small rural, royal, 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 <laughs> say five times, small churches in smaller towns. And they have to work other jobs. They don't have the finances to do it. There are, I have buddies that are pastors in the Metroplex and they have other jobs and, uh, and then they're pastors. So, or they have multiple jobs. A coach of the guys got multiple jobs and, and is a pastor is a lead pastor of a church. So that I'm not questioning people's work ethics or, their integrity those things not at all like i'm not actually saying you're lazy on the daily what i'm saying is i think those guys work really hard and like i've been one of those guys working really hard but i also think that a lot of the times we work really hard at the wrong things 
that's really what I'm trying to say. Now, did I put some clickbait on there to start the thing? Yeah, I did. And if you are lazy, yeah, your church sucks. And at the same time, like, what do I mean by lazy? Let me ask you this. I'm reading this now. Have you ever been invited to coffee or lunch with your pastor or a pastor on the staff at your church? If not, your church is lazy. Like, if you've been attending your church for longer than a month, whether it's a month or a year or a decade or four decades, if you've never been, if there's a pastoral figure at your church has never pursued you for a conversation one-on-one, like some time with you, your church is lazy, period. Uh, Number two, have you ever been... uh, have you ever been at said lunch or coffee and the pastor said to you on a scale of 0 to 10, if you died today, how confident are you that you would go to heaven? If you've never been asked a question like that, if you've never had a personal conversation about the gospel, not prompted by like you're you're in the church service and they gave a message and then there's the invitation at the end and they sang four hymns or four, four verses of the hymns and the guy's like, somebody's going to come down and pray today. I'm not talking about that situation. I'm saying if you've never had the experience where a pastoral figure, they initiated, hey, I want to talk to you, and then that's what they talk to you about, then your church is lazy. If you're a pastor and you can't tell me who you are personally following up with, I got ESPN is now playing. So they <laughs> I thought I paused it. I'm going to put my headphones down for one second. Uh, actually, I'm going to turn the music up first. So, now you got some elevator music going. Sorry, ESPN was giving a quick update on Patrick Mahomes and what he's been successful at the last two years. He's not lazy. Okay, uh, if your pastor... If you are a pastor and you can't tell me who is personally following up with the last 100 or better, the last 10 visitors at your church, then you're lazy. Like if, if that's not one of the top priorities of the week, hey, who's got this? Like, here's the list of names. Here's who visited this week or here's who visited this month and who's visited in the last year. And here's who's following up with that. And, like, we've got to – we have – like I got my finger on the pulse of what's happening there, then you're lazy. You're doing the wrong things. If you're a pastor and you can't tell me in the last week how many people you shared the gospel with, then you're lazy. That's what I'm trying to say. And like if that sounds mean and hurtful and good, I'm glad because it should. Like that should be a piercing thing. If you're not doing that, you should be frustrated, angry, moving around, you just turn the podcast off and like you're done or you're now writing a comment. How dare you? Do you even know? No, I don't know what your week looks like. I have no idea. I don't know what it looks like in your home. I don't know what it looks like to have the family that you have and to raise the kids that you do or whatever it is that you deal with. I don't know because I don't live there. I live here. Like this is the story that I live. And so I know how, what goes on there. If I like last week, I didn't share the gospel last week. That was lazy. Like, that's pathetic and lazy and unacceptable. That's not okay. It just isn't. And and I don't get paid for it. And it's not okay. And so us as pastors or you as a pastor, if, like, you're leading or your church, y'all don't do those things, that's what I'm saying. You're lazy, and that sucks. 
That's why we're in the position we're in. So it's really that simple. It's not about working X amount of hours at the office and doing extensive planning and podcasting and message prep, staff meetings and elder meetings and planning and organizing and running events. Like the nuts and bolts of being a pastor are just follow Jesus and share the hope you have all the time. That's the bare minimum for not being lazy. Bare minimum. Like, do you have to do all those other things that I just listed off? Yes. Those are a part of your job that has to get done. Like, on your list of, like, Monday is message review, message planning, meeting, staff meetings, Tuesday, meeting with everybody. Like, that's the meeting when you sit down and go, we have 100 people that visited. We're divvying out the cards, follow up in the next 24 hours. In fact, it's Tuesday. We're late right now. Like that should happen. That's a part of that's a part of your job. I get that. You have to run events. You have to plan. You have to meet with the elders. You have to meet with the staff. You have to write your message. If you don't write your message, then you should stop talking. You, if you're not doing a podcast, you probably ought to start. It's just a not like the world we live in today. That's a way to share the gospel with people. Do that. The thing is, following up is one of the most important things we can do. And it's incredibly beneficial if we do it well. If you are banking on the fact that your preaching is good enough to make people come back again next week, then again and again and again and again, you're probably wrong. You're probably not that good. There's a handful of guys that are. I'm not saying that you're not good. I'm not saying you don't spend 20-plus hours a week preparing your message and writing it. and that you sh- like You should do that. It's that important. What you say from the stage behind a table or a pulpit or a chair or... Or the music stand or whatever it is that you use is deeply important. You should be putting in hours upon hours in your study and preparation. Why? Because what you say about the Word of God matters and what you say from stage matters. Absolutely. A hundred percent. They say that people retain five percent of what you say, which I respond, maybe we ought to say it differently or maybe we ought to say it better. The, the guys that say it the best, I don't retain five percent of what they say. I retain a lot of what comes out of their mouths. And, and, and I'm intentional about retaining that. Am I that good? No. People, people don't keep coming back to hear me talk. I don't even talk on Sundays. So I I have before. Yeah, I was a pastor for 13 years, and I talked every week. I spoke every week, gave a message every week. I get it. And at the same time, that wasn't the most important thing I could have done. Wasn't important. Yes, is it top three priority? As a pastor, yes, it is. If you're an executive pastor, then that's probably different for you. You don't talk that much. You have different responsibilities. And at the same time, what the bare minimum is of for you to not be lazy are the same things as the senior pastor, as the student pastor, as the young adult pastor, as the group's pastor, as the men's pastor, as the women's pastor, as the children's pastor, as the media guy, as the dadgum janitor. We should all be doing the same thing. And so the standard that we're talking about is the same standard that, like, I I should be held to. I don't work there. I don't get paid to be there. I don't show up Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday. There is a Tuesday in the week as well, if y'all didn't know that. I don't go those days. And at the same time, I have the same responsibility to share the gospel just as much. Why? Because I know Jesus. And, again, that's the bare minimum we should do that. And as pastors, we have to show people how to do that, not tell them from the stage, but we have to do it. It's I, we would, There's ESPN again on my phone. It, it's everywhere today. Huge ESPN fan, fan today, if you didn't know. Um, where was I at talking about, like, you're probably not that good? Uh, yeah, there's going to be some folks I'm reading again. Going to be some folks that 
come back because they like the way you preach. Yes, your church is full of those people. I'm sure your ch- I just said that. Your church is full of those people who really like your preaching and feel that you are the best in the world, especially your mom if she goes to your church. But if you find it hard um, for solid follow-up as you do for your message on Sunday, your church would be three times as full on Sunday, I guarantee it. If you spent the amount of time and the amount of effort and the amount of weight, like you felt the same weight of responsibility to follow up really, really well as you do for how well you prepare to preach on Sunday. Are you tracking with me right now? It, it would be significantly bigger. I'm in a conversation. I'm not in a conversation. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a part of a church that is going through another building expansion thing. And as we discussed it, he was telling me what they were doing, which I already knew what they were doing. I've had the conversations, I've heard the stories, I've seen from afar. I'm, I don't go there, I'm not a part of it, not on the staff, nothing. And but I know what's going on. And so I'm listening to what he's telling me, and I said, "Here's here's what I think, bro." I said, and he's a volunteer, so he's not on staff either. But we're driving, we coach together, so we're driving. And uh, he says, uh, he, "You know, this is what we're doing." And I said, "Bro, y'all haven't maximized your space yet." And he goes, "Yeah, we have." And I said, "No, we haven't." And he goes, "Yeah, we have." And I said. He goes, it's really full on Sunday. And I said, what do you mean it's really full? Like the two services y'all have on Sunday is full? And he's like, yeah. And I said, okay, well, you have two services that you're packing out on Sunday morning. You can you can do a minimum of six. You probably do eight on Sunday, which if you're a pastor, you're like, you're nuts. Like you're banana boats right now. Did, hang with me for one second. You, let's say you have 40 people on your staff, Right. And so you're going to go through this process of, hey, we're going to spend another, if you're in the Metroplex in a white-collar community, you're going to spend anywhere between four and eight-plus million dollars for your next building space, regardless of what it is. And so, like, it's going to take that much money to get there. So that's a, that's a multi-year, that's multiple months of, okay, like, we're planning, we've got the architects, we're putting the plans together, we got to go through the whole bank thing, we got to get the donations, we have to get everything for, like, it's a, it's a huge process of being able to get there, because most churches don't have $8 million to walk in and go, go, build that baby. There may be some that do. Um, and it, I, I served at a church that one time, they didn't take out a loan for anything, and they have multiple buildings, I mean, now you're talking about millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, and their process is, hey, we're completely out of space. We're going to do this, and we'd love for you to give. And then they do it once they have the money. People go, okay, here, here's the money. But they also have seen them maximize their space. Like, it, it wasn't like, hey, we maxed out two Sunday services. It was like, hey, we maxed out Monday through Sunday. The hour time blocks that are like real potentials to be used, those are gone. Done. We have no more room. Okay, now we have to do what's next. So here's what I'm getting at. You have two services on Sunday that you're, full, you're filling up. Great. You have fifteen hundred seat uh, auditorium. Great. You got three thousand people coming, or let's let's double that. You get six thousand people coming. You're doing two services. That's phenomenal. Way to go. Fantastic. You have forty people on your staff. You have three thousand. You've got six thousand people coming to your church. You, that's you don't have enough people on your staff, right? Let's say you have six thousand, and we make that a hundred people on your staff. That's amazing. Over the next six months, each one of those people on your staff. Rather than worrying about like the planning and the process of building the next space, because build it, you know, if you build it, they're going to come. Let's do it differently. Like, what if we take those hundred people, and every one of you for the next six to twelve months, you spent actively pursuing a hundred people that do not go to our church, or that are new, and you can name them. 
here's who they are. Here's where I'm at in the process. I've asked them to come to church five times, or I've, I've followed up with this guy X amount of times, and I've invested here. Like, if you just do that and then go, hey, uh, we got to add a service on Sunday, and then we got to add another one. Over the next 12 months, if 100 people pursue 100 people each, that's a lot of hundreds of peoples. You're, you don't have to build a building to get them to come. You, you're just going to have to make different hours. And it, it's one of those, it's no longer, it's not a thing of convenience. Like you are, I wrote a blog not too long ago, this idea of like the brand doesn't make you, you make the brand. It doesn't matter what the name is. When Nike came out, Phil hated the name. He absolutely despised the name. If you've never read that book, go read it. It's called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's the story of, uh, of him creating the brand Nike and what he went through. When they decided on the name, he hated it. And they were like, well, I guess maybe it'll wear on us. Literally, that's the quote. One of his top executives in the office, he's like, well, maybe it'll wear on us. Yeah, $34.8 billion last year weared on us. Everybody's wearing the thing, right? So it's it's not about, you don't go build the building and then and then the people come. You do it the other way. And and invest in, like, rather than, I'm investing, you're going to invest, you got to go raise $8 million. You're going to invest countless hours in that process. And at some point, you're going to have to do that. When you have eight services on Sunday and three on Saturday, and your staff is like, dude, we're tapped out, like we're hiring twice as many people to cover this stuff right now, that's when you pull the trigger and go, we got to build it. And you don't have to do a campaign. This is what you do. Hey, we're out of space. We're running eight services on Sunday. We got three on Saturday. We've tripled our staff right now. We have to have another building. Now, guess what you have? You had two services. Now you're running eight. You cut. You have eight times the amount. Of, is that not? No, it's. You have four times the amount of people now. It. What I'm getting at is, like, we focus on the wrong things. I don't think you're lazy in terms of like you don't put in hours. I don't think you're lazy because you don't work hard. That's not what I'm saying. I think the majority of pastors in America probably work really hard. I don't know them all. The ones that I do know, the majority of those guys work hard. And at the same time, a lot of what I have seen and experienced is we invest our time in the wrong area. We're doing the wrong thing. We're not focused on, like, literally, a win is not a win. We define it as a win, and we call it a win, and we make ourselves feel really good about, hey, we're winning. We're not. We're freaking losing right now. We are, we are losing the fight in America right now as it pertains to faith and church. We're losing. Bad. And this is one of those things that we can do. Like, this is a simple thing. Shift gears. Do this. It's going to get better. I guarantee it. Okay, so back where I was picking up. Uh, hear this. It's not about the numbers. It's just not. It really isn't. There are churches who are highly unsuccessful at getting people in the door and even worse at keeping them in the room. Yes. And they are doing everything the scriptures say to do, and they're doing it well. Like, that. It, it's, that's not on them. That's one of those, like, they're going to stand before Jesus and give an account why did you shepherd this way? Because it's what the scripture said. Yes. Why did people leave? Because that's what they chose. Like, that's how it is. People, it's, some places ran, some places didn't. Paul would show up and they would welcome him and give him food and housing and people would get saved and they would build a church and he would train elders and pastors and hand it off and he would leave and he'd go to another town and they would try to kill him. And he would go to another town and it would be like, it just, it was what it was. When God moves, he moves, and when, he, and when people reject it, he doesn't, and that's not on you. And so there are churches that are failing in terms of how we've defined success, and they're not failing, they're winning. 
at the same time, most of those churches aren't in America. They're just not. And yes, there are pockets that it's really difficult to che- keep a church open and going. Like Portland, it's a tough place. New York, that's a tough place. Like New York City, that's a tough place. It just it is. And there are some churches that are doing it well, but it's still a hard place to be. Downtown Austin, it's a hard place to be. You get on the outsides, it's there's, it's not that hard to to stay there, and to be and to be successful there in terms of like we have a building, we have money and a budget, and can we be? Yeah, like get a talented guy some good music and throw up a building and people are going to come. Yes, they're going to show up. That doesn't mean you're doing it right. It just means you, you got some things they like. You may be doing it right. Um, but I'm just saying there are some pockets that's really, really challenging. Denver, like downtown Denver, is known for being a difficult spot to plant a church and to do it well and to be there. And the point is if you can't get people in the door and you're worse at keeping them in the room it's probably you and and not the opposite because of where we live today and i'm sorry if that makes you angry actually not just you got to be better you have to be better and one of those be betters is follow up it's not about i got to be a better preacher it's you got to be a better pastor at when when you do like if somebody walks in the room they've teed it up for you if you have a visitor that sh- excuse me, that shows up at church, it's it's similar to fishing, right? This illustration was used uh, in at church I served at. They've just radically changed my life, this idea of, like, fish in a barrel, right? I can go to the lake. I live down the street from a lake in the DFW Metroplex, I, like, five-minute walk. I can walk out my house, and I can walk down the street, take my fishing pole and my gear, and I can begin to fish. I might catch something. We don't fish a ton. We love to fish, but we just, we don't, take the time to go do it apparently we don't love it that much um, but we really enjoy it dax has been down there i don't know 10 15 times where we go that it's close and he caught one fish now he was real excited about it which drove the desire to go catch more but still it's a big lake and we're in just kind of a pocket and I, we're walking out there and just throwing a line is there some strategy yes have i fished in my entire life yes are we using specific things like i don't need don't give me tips on fishing right now what I'm getting at is it's easier if you bring me a barrel of fish, set it down, and go, you need to take one of those. That's easier than going to the lake. I can see them. They're here. They're in. Like, you brought them to me. When somebody walks in the door of your church, it's like somebody walked in with a barrel of fish. <laughs> Just shoot one. Did you pick, I take more than one, whatever you want. They're all in there. Take however much you want. They're there. They're in the room. They're giving you, if they have a kid, they just gave you their info. They just filled it out and said, here's my phone number, here's my email, and here's my name. Thank you for watching my kid. You're welcome. I'm going to call you in the next 24 hours. They, they teed it up. If you don't make the phone call, send the text. Don't send a mass email that your admin sends and says, hey, here's the Here's the follow-up. This is when we do our new members lunch. If you're interested, come. Like, don't be passive, lazy, weak pastors like that. Take the initiative. You have the dumb card. That's why you have the info card. Call them. Hey, I'd love to have coffee with you. And then your agenda is to say, I'm going to ask you if you know Jesus, and I'm going to share the gospel with you. And then I'm going to ask you how can we serve and connect you to the body and then move forward from there. Like, that's pastoral 101, and we don't do it. I, I, we visited multiple churches when we moved back from Austin. It was the first time in our marriage that I wasn't like officially on staff. And we, the first year we were married, 
I, we went to a church and we were serving there. We were already plugged in before we got married, so it was a little bit different. We didn't have to look for one. And then the rest of the time we were married, we I worked at a church, and so that always got chosen for us. And so when we moved back from Dallas or to Dallas from Austin, it was the first time in our marriage that Ryan and I said, "Hey, we're going to go f- choose where we go to church." And so we began that process. There was one place that l- one place that we visited and that we took our kids everywhere we went. We filled out the cards. like, And not only that, like I would fill the card out. Here's, here's key right now. Pastors, you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Anyways, most of the time, you're going to get mom's information because that's the world we live in now. Most men are passive as it comes to faith. Most men, when they're at church, at least as you're looking at me, new people are coming in, we're trying to reach folks, these people may or may not know Jesus, more than likely, mom is the driver. That's the world we live in. So you're probably going to get her her info. Not only that, dad really probably is a little bit, it's like, nah, we, how are we going to do this? If you get a card and it has a man's name on it that dropped his kid off, like the, somebody just got, they drove up the cart, Right, you got out and took your driver, and you walked up there, and somebody got in your bag and got a golf ball out, and they then pulled a tee out and said, "This is the one you like." And you said, "Yeah, I like the, I like the white ones that are powder coated better than just the the plain wood ones. I don't, I like the actual natural wood look." But then they walk out there, they took a rag and they cleaned the ball off and dusted it and made sure, like they inspected it, make sure there's nothing nothing on it, and then they sat it down for you, teed it up, cleared off the area around it. Step back, dust it off. Maybe just okay. Yeah, ball's great. Uh, I think it's probably good. Like if you want any adjustments, that's fine. But if, like they've studied you for years, and then you step up and take a swing. That's what just happened. One church followed up. One. One. It was ridiculous. And am I booty hurt about it? No. I know Jesus. I know what I'm looking for in a church. I know that I am choosing to submit to the elder authority in the life, in, in my life, of that church for the shepherding of me and my family. Like, it, the, I filled that card out on purpose. Like, I didn't do that because I don't want you to call me. I filled it out because, like, no, I'm, I'm here. Like, well, I want to change the world. I want people to get saved. I want to be at a place that cares about lost people and what they're doing, and they understand the opportunities that are right in front of their face. That's the guy I want to follow. That The dude that people are like, man, that guy's intense. Yes, because I'm pretty sure Jesus was intense. That's the dude I want to be behind. If it, it, And so it wasn't like a test. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm here on purpose. Here's the card, right? One place following up. That's where we go. It, it, because of that, that's part of it, absolutely. Did I want to know how the guy preached? Sure, I did. I listened to a couple podcasts before I ever visited. I did. Do I know people that go there that I knew before then? Yes, absolutely. And did those things come into play? Sure. Is the music important to us? Not really. It's okay. Is is it the best? No. Is it the worst? No. Is it good? Yeah, it's all right. I play on the worship teams. I can say that. Like, uh, I'm okay behind the kit, but am I the best? No, not. Uh, I was the ministries I ran. I was like the backup's backup. Uh, not really. I'm like boobies backups backup. If you saw that movie, if you didn't, it's Friday Night Lights. 
from the 1988 Permian Panthers. Shout out to you. So uh, what I'm trying to say is we have to be better at doing the right things. And it isn't about, like again, I'm not saying you're lazy in terms of your work ethic and those kinds of things. What I'm saying is we have to do the basic things so much better than we do. Than we do. And, and in fact, some of us just have to do it because some of us don't do it. I'm going back and, and reading some more of this, trying to figure out where I was at. I got on a tangent and off track. Okay, so here I am. I was in a meeting one day with a pastor who had oversight on small groups of the church that I was working at um, at the time. This is after we moved home, and I was doing some just side work. wasn't It wasn't like really on staff. It was literally was like I'm doing some part time stuff, like an intern. And I was meeting with this guy to resolve some conflict that we had recently had. I scheduled a meeting with him because I had been quote thrown under the bus in a situation that he had missed on. Here's what happened. I had made a follow-up call with a new family who'd filled out an information card and checked off the boxes. That should be normative. Wanting to know, one, they wanted to know more about baptism, and two, about getting more involved in a small group. I made the phone call on a Wednesday after getting the information card on Tuesday. So they filled it out on Sunday. Monday goes by. I get the card Tuesday, and I call on Wednesday. We're already late. Just Just giving the information, we're behind the eight ball here. Information cards that are turned in uh, with people wanting to know more about these things are layups and doing what we, quote, do as pastors. Imagine someone teeing up. I already did this illustration for you, so let's move on. Shooting in, It's a shooting fish in a barrel type situation. You can't lose in this environment. Period. You can't lose. So I call, had a great conversation about baptism, getting connected with the right people to take the next steps there, and then we discussed small groups. She gave me the name of a couple they had met that week and said they were really wanting to give that group a shot. So she, like we're talking, she said, hey, the people sitting in front of us, we met them, their names were so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. They lead a small group. We would really like, they told us that. We'd really like to try that group. Fantastic. Again, this is a can't-lose situation. They They are giving me the info they want. They're saying, hey, we want this. I'm not having to convince you. I'm not having to sell you. I'm not having to do anything. I, I'm just having to listen and then respond appropriately to what you're saying. So uh, I let her know uh, that I'd be calling our small group pastor as soon as we hung up and getting her, the, getting her info to the small group leaders ASAP to move the ball down the field, getting them connected. It's not rocket science here. It's making an effort, and it takes zero talent to give full effort. Like, none. You don't have to be good about at talking on the phone to give full effort in this kind of situation. So I hang up with this moment, and I immediately call the small group pastor, and I get his voicemail. So I leave a voicemail, and then I email him all the info. This goes in, in terms of, like, follow-up. If you make a phone call and leave a voicemail one time, you're, you're lazy. They're not, like, they're probably not going to call you back. Why? They don't know you. They're new there's a good chance they're not responding. So I'm going to call and leave a message. Why? Because it's the manly thing to do. I'm going to send you a text. Why? Because it's the 21st century and that's how people communicate. I'm going to send an email. Why? Because it's a third avenue of communication. And number four, I'm probably going to stalk you on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn and I'm going to send you a DM. Why? Because people's attention are on their phones. Oh, DM. Oh, cool. That guy's a pal. Oh, now they can research you now when you send them the DM because they can click on your face. It's really easy. It, it, again, it, zero talent to make an effort. So I hang up, call that, do all those things. I didn't send him the DM because I already knew him. Uh, so I send the email, and uh, I said, here's the lady's name, the number, group they want to be, be, or at least where they want to visit, uh, person they met, etc. 
all this info as well as, quote, let me know what else I can do to help connect these people. The response I got back was, I've got it from here. Great. Three days later, we're at a new visitor dinner, and this couple's there. So I called them, hey, you filled out this card. I also want to invite you to this thing. Like, we got this dinner coming up, but you want to know about baptism. You want to know about small groups. Here we go. So they raise their hand. Like, we would go around the table and let everybody ask a question. They raise their hand, and they ask, we're really wanting to get involved in a small group, and we're having trouble getting connected with the group we want to visit. Who can we get information on that from? I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I filled it out Sunday. I got the card Tuesday. I make the call Wednesday. So we already look lazy. Like perception matters. Like the hours matter when somebody fills something out, checks out a box. That's what they're thinking about. Like I, if somebody makes the effort to fill out a card and say they have a need and put it in a, at church, if it's more than a day, dear goodness, come on. It's, it's not okay. So... I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm sitting there, and I look down the table at the small group pastor, and I'm thinking he's going to say, oh, yes, I can definitely connect you with the right people. And, and, and not only that, like, we got that information. Here's what's happening. Here's the conversation that's happened. They should have followed up on, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect again. I'm going to call them as soon as, like, in fact, I'm going to leave real quick and go call them and then tell you what's going on. And just to make sure, because they have the info, he just says, oh, yes, I can definitely get you connected with the right people. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 72 hours ago, I gave you all the information on a layup and you dropped the ball and now we're in a public setting and you don't even know who these people are. Like I sent you, this is their name. Here's who they want to talk to. Here's when they, here's every piece of information and she's wearing a name tag, right? You're the small groups pastor. She's wearing a name tag and I just sent you the name. Names matter. People matter. Effort matters. Like, I understand. Like, you may be like, man, we've got, we have 4,000 people in small groups. How, are you, how do you expect me to, to remember that? That wasn't the case here. Do you, do you think a situation like that, we got people beating down the door to get in a small group? No, we don't. Why? Because we don't care. The, the church follows what you care about. The effort that we put in showed that we didn't care, so they don't care. I mean, it's clear. And so, what, what, did he have hundreds of names to remember that? We, no. I would argue, I would... If I'm being generous, I'm going to say maybe four. And if I'm being realistic, I'm saying I think one. Right? And you don't know. And I'm going, hey, like, you got to be better, dude. Like, not okay. And so, like, we're sitting there, and rather than owning the situation, it was passed off to this idea of, like, hey, it's working with volunteers. Like, I sat down and said, here's what's going on. Here's what's wrong. Here's where we have to be better. And literally, it got sloughed off as, like, ah, it's volunteers, man. No big deal. Wrong. Lazy. It's a direct quote from the pastor. Not the lazy part. That's volunteers. The guy's being paid to know the flock and to keep careful watch over the herd, and he shrugged it off, and it was a major fumble. It's Proverbs 23, I think. The point is... Running backs get fired for fumbles, and there's not a game in the NFL that carries the weight of eternity. That situation did. A situation like that carries the weight of eternity, and we fumble every week because we're because we're lazy, and that's not okay. 
It's happening literally every day in our churches, and it's lazy, and we have to be better. It's not a marketing problem. It's not a name problem. It's not a location problem. It is a leadership problem. Like you, leaders, are not doing the things that we have to do as a church to really be the church. And that makes you lazy. Laziness sucks. That's what I'm getting at. Here's what I want you to do. Sit down and write out everything you did this week, Monday through Sunday, literally right now. Get out a blank sheet of paper, and on the number one, on the top right, am I lazy? Number two, give yourself a score of zero to 100 before doing anything else. Am I lazy? 98. Circle. A plus. Smiley face. Great work, Joe. Now write down everything you did for work each day. Put down the time frames, the people, the places, what, when, who, where, and why. And then circle everything you did that legitimately could lead someone to trusting to Jesus, for someone to trust Jesus. Do that this week, like Monday through Friday. Write down Monday, like today. Start writing it down. Tuesday, write it down. Wednesday. And then circle everything that says that this could legitimately lead to someone trusting Jesus. Your message prep does not count. Star the ones that are direct, like I shared the gospel with fill in the blank, like that's a star, and then highlight everything that added to a relationship that has tangible benefit to the kingdom of God, and then write out next to it what the benefits are. Okay, so those are the things you're circling. X through everything you did that if you died at the end of the week that you wish you would have pushed back to another day, week, month, or canceled it altogether. That one's tough. Strike, like put uh, through the word, through everything that wasn't a bad thing, but you can't place a tangible kingdom benefit on. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying we're grading right now on this specifically. So strike through that. Count up every direct gospel thing that you did and give yourself 10 points. Write up every indirect gospel or kingdom beneficial thing and give yourself 5 points. Count everything that you X'd off and then deduct 10 points for each one. And then count everyone you did with the strike through and deduct five points for each one. And then what's your grade at the end? Are you lazy? No, I don't think Jesus is grading on a scale. But this may be something that helps us be more aware. Do I think Jesus is keeping a zero to ten score for you? No. Do I think you have to give an account for how you bled? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> I, I believe from what the scriptures say. There will be a time when I stand at the end, when it's all over, and Jesus says, Case, I need you to tell me why you shepherded the body the way you did in Tulsa. Okay, now I, I want you to tell me why, same question, Flower Mound, same question, Austin, same question, Dallas, same question, the, whole, the people that lived under your roof. <clears throat> I think that's going to be a legit question, a conversation. Some of them I feel pretty confident about, and some of them I don't. It, I think it matters. I think the scriptures are clear that it matters. And for some of us, we look at that test, and we're like, yeah, we wrecked that thing. I made 30 phone calls this week to new people. I had coffee with 10. I had the opportunity to share the gospel with everybody. Spent eight hours across three sessions preparing a message for Sunday, or twice that. I mean, spent 24 uh, I know that's not twice. I know it's 16, but let's say three times because I saw the word three on three sessions. <clears throat> and then you preached it twice that morning, had a staff meeting, met with two elders, had lunch, and the prayer meeting as well. And then, the, you like, I, I get it. Some of you guys just blew it out of the water. And some of us didn't. Um, I've been going for 40 minutes. I was going to tell a story here. You know what? We're going to do a part two. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Eh, I hate it when I do it. Uh, thanks for joining us today. 
crank up the music a little bit. Shout out to Produce, Andrew Holder. Thanks, man, for the EP. Thanks for joining us today. Solo Fellow Podcast, part one of Lazy's, Lazy, Lazy, mm-hmm. there it is. Lazy Churches Suck. Part two is coming out shortly after because I got to go eat lunch and then we'll get on this thing again. Got another podcast coming up today too that we're going to talk to a guy named Mark Ward out in Cali doing some cool work out there with the King Jimmy Bible. So we're going to get some info on that and uh, it'll be great. So have a great day. Hope you're doing well. Comments, questions, thoughts, all those things can be sent into stellofellow at gmail.com. Check that thing regularly and answer it. No problems with anything you got. If you want to cuss me out, go ahead. That's I'm more than welcome to engage in conversation about anything with you. Have a great day.